right. Good to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night. Amen. I like Wednesday night services and breaks up the monotony of a week and uh, just gives you a fresh fellowship with the God's people and the Word of God and what a joy it is. And thank you all for being here, Brother Shane. Thank you for bringing the meeting over here tonight and I appreciate you and your people and good to have all the home folk here too. Amen. I want you to turn, if you will, please, to 1 Peter chapter number 1 tonight. 1 Peter chapter number 1, and we're going to look at some encouragements to the elect. Some encouragements to the elect. Let's stand tonight and reverence God's Word together. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Lord, we thank you for these nine verses in the Word of God. Thank you for the encouragements that they bring to me every time I read through them and every time I expound upon them. Lord, I pray that you might bless your people and help us to feed upon the promises of God tonight. And for those that are here lost without God, I pray that they might have a craving to come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray you bless your church wherever it gathers across this country. Lord, I pray you'd send a great revival. May you bind the devil and the warring powers of hell that come and seek to destroy. And may you send an outpouring of your Spirit in a mighty and a wonderful way. Lord, have thine own way. We need your help to preach. We know we're nothing without you. Lord, you are our all in all. And our eyes are upon you this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you read First Peter and Second Peter, you're going to read about the, the word sufferings and affliction and trial and tribulation again and again. And God inspired Peter to write these verses down, and he was no novice on a hillside saying, give me a water pistol, I'll attack hell. This was an old weather-beaten sailor that had sailed the seven spiritual seas, and he had been there, done that, shot the possum, held the sack, and got the t-shirt to prove it. Amen. I mean, this man was not a novice. He was not an early beginner. He was a fellow that had been through some deep waters and some real hardships. And I know that when the inspiration of God climbed all over this apostle, 
And he took up the pen and began to write these verses that it was an encouragement to him, but not only to him, but unto all the people of God that have ever read this. Now, he says in verse number one, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout. And then he lists some of these places, but I want to say that it's to us strangers. We are strangers because we're strangers to this world. There was a time when I was at home in this world. But when God saved me, thank God I became a stranger. But not just a stranger, but he says we were pilgrims. A pilgrim is somebody that may not be at home here, but he does have a home somewhere. I'm glad, thank God, I have a home somewhere. And my home is far beyond the blue. Yes, I may be a stranger to this old world, but thank God I'm acquainted with folk over there. I used to hear the old timers say, I know more people over on the other side than I do here. And now I'm understanding what they're saying. A lot of the preachers that were preaching whenever I got saved and began in ministry, why, they're already over on the other side. And I'm looking forward to seeing them. Many of the people of God that have gone on. And we as God's children need to remember that we're strangers here. That's why you get strange looks. That's why they treat you in a strange way. That's why you can't feel feel at home and and fellowship with this old world. But just keep remembering once in a while the breath of the Holy Ghost will fall upon you and the Lord reminds you, child, you're not home yet. We're going to the other side and soon you'll be with your crowd. Soon you'll be in your world and soon you'll be over on the other side. Hallelujah. But in these verses, I see some great encouragements unto who he calls in verse number two, the elect. Notice number one, some scriptural re-encouragements. The first one I see is the big ministry that he's given to us in verse number one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now look at that word scattered. That word scattered wasn't the word splattered. It means that the farmer has taken the seed in hand and he has planted it and he's put it where he wants it to be in the field in order that it might take root, grow, and bring forth fruit to the glory of the farmer. I'm glad, thank God, I haven't been splattered, just slung out somewhere. But the hand of the heavenly husbandman laid hold upon my heart and God has planted me where I am. I had no choice about being born in the mountains, born in the south, born in the Bain family, being raised on the head of Green River. I had no choice in that, but thank God the heavenly husbandman did. And you know, you may wonder yourself, why am I in this family? Why am I in this area? Why am I living here? You ever thought about the sovereign hand of a holy God allowing you to be there? You may wonder, why do I have to work in this place? All these folk around me, and man, it's so hard. It may be God has planted you there so you can bloom and be a bright and a shining light in a dark world. You may be the only Bible they'll ever read. You may be the only light of God they'll ever see. You may be the only stoplight between them and an eternal hell. And so just remember, you're where you're at. By divine appointment and by divine providence, God may move you out of there and He may put you somewhere else. If He does, that's just fine. He's the heavenly husbandman. But thank God for now, He's put you where you're at 
And so you just ask Him to help you to be as bright a shining light as you can be to the glory of God. Amen. And then secondly, not only do we see a big ministry, but we see a boundless mystery. Look in verse 2. He says, We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now notice, he says, elect according to foreknowledge. This verb form of the word foreknowledge is used over in verse number, look in verse number 19 and 20 and so forth. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained from before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. That word foreordained is the verb form of the word foreknowledge. Now, none of us believe that Jesus came on the scene and it just happened to be and God knew that Jesus would come. No, it was God planned, God ordained, God laid out that Jesus Christ would come and He ordained that. And so it is from our salvation and your salvation. We didn't just blunder into the house of God one day. We didn't just happen down the street and fall on the uh, steps of the Lord and Him have mercy upon us. Before there was ever a sinner, there was already a Savior. Before I ever got here, thank God He was already preparing a way that I might be redeemed. He said His affection and love on me before I was ever born. Dear lady, one time, fella said, you mean to tell me that you think that Christ loved you before you were ever born? She said, I sure do, because if he'd have waited till I got here, he'd have never loved me. Amen. Thank God he's got a big plan. And if you don't believe that, you just go read through Romans chapter number 8 and look at the chain of events that God brought together in order that you might be saved by the grace of God. And when you read Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 28 right at the heart of it, that's why we know that all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to His purpose. And if He loved me before ever got here, He loved me in salvation, you think He's going to quit loving me now? You say, but preacher, I'm going through some hardships and trials and tribulation. It's tough on me. That don't have a thing in the world to do with whether God loves you or not. Amen. Praise God. It's not a daisy love. You know what a daisy love is. You're sitting there by the field and you're wondering if that gal loves you or not. And you're plucking that daisy. She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. This is not a daisy love. Jeremiah said he loved us with an everlasting love. Oh, say, come here a minute. You that just got saved, Sean, you just got saved. Praise God, God had a whole lot going on before you ever got here to get you where you're at. And he's got a whole lot going on right now to get you over on the other side. Hallelujah. We're not just flipping through here. We're not just blundering through here. God's got an ordained plan and an ordained purpose. And if that don't encourage you tonight, I don't know what encouragement is. Amen. So it's a boundless mystery. Then number three, we see begetting mercies. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To be begotten means to be born into the family of God. We have a reason to rejoice tonight in the fact that we have been begotten of the Lord. We've been birthed into His family. 
You know, the disciples came in, jumping pews and swinging off the chandeliers. Man, they just had a big meeting and they were telling about devils jumping out of the window and people getting saved and all that. And the Lord got up to preach and he said, rejoice not. Now, how'd you like to be cutting the rusty and tearing the carpet up when you turn the corner and Jesus get up and say, rejoice not. He said, rejoice not because the devils are subject to you. Everything's going all right. But he said, you rejoice in this. I'm going to knock one shout out of you. So you'll have a shout that'll remain. I'm going to knock the shout out of you that you're shouting because everything's going good. Let me tell you, you can shout at all times because your name is written in the book of life. That'll never change. Boy, I'll tell you, I get in some services that are just on, I mean. I get in other services where it's dead as last year's bird nest, twice plucked up by the roots. And I mean, you'd give $10 for a good hearty amen. And if I'm rejoicing because of those atmospheres or because of what's going on, then my rejoicing is going to be up and down, just like a thermometer in this fall of the year when it's 90 degrees one day and it's 40 degrees the next. But praise God, what will give you some stability, steadfastness and rejoicing at all times is just to remember that your name is written in the book of life whether they love you, whether they hate you, whether they care about you or whether they wouldn't spit on you if you're on fire, whether they're helping you or whether they're trying to hurt you. That don't really matter, praise God. My name is in the book of life. They don't have an eraser that can get to it. Nobody's going to tear it out. It's there forever and I'm permanently belonging to him hallelujah and he said I've been begotten unto a lively hope now some of these new versions they render unto a living hope there's something different in lively and living that old bullfrog crawled down the bottom of the pond he's alive but he's not lively Praise God, in the summertime, you go frog gigging, try to gig him, and you miss him, he's going to jump about 10 feet. Now, he's lively. God said our hope is not just a living hope, but it is a lively hope. There's to be some excitement about it. Amen. And so, he talks about the uh, blessed mercies of God, begetting mercies of God. Then look in verse number four at the, uh, the blessed mansions of God. He said, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, the Lord says, you may lose everything on this side, but you're not going to lose everything. Because he said, I've got some plans for you. He said, you're going to an inheritance. Now, how do you get an inheritance? Well, somebody's got to die and leave you in their will. Well, Jesus died and left me in his whosoever will. Amen. Praise God. My name is read when all the benefits are poured out from this one that died. My name's included there, Mr. Whosoever. That's my name. Praise God. And he's given me an inheritance, an inheritance that he possessed, one that he earned, one that he bought, one that he's built, one that belongs to him. But he said, I've died now and I want to give you that inheritance. I like this. It says it's an inheritance incorruptible. A lot of folk get an inheritance and they find out there's so much back taxes owed on it, it's not worth what the tax value is. Some folk get an inheritance, it's corruptible. All the rest of the kids get mad at you because you're the one that grandpa gave it to and didn't give it to the rest of that crowd. 
There's none of that attached to this inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled. You might find the old farmhouse, oh, it's wonderful, but it's heated up with termites and uh, it's rotten down. It's going to cost you more to rebuild it than it's really worth. But praise God, I'm not going to move into a dilapidated mansion that's going to need roof work and uh, termite spray. Amen. I'm moving into one, thank God, that's incorruptible and undefiled. And then he said, it fadeth not away. Fadeth not away. You know, I went to Dollywood here a while back. Some friend of ours had some tickets. Said, come on, go with us. All right. Man, that first hour or two is wonderful. But after about three hours, four hours, after up and down that hill, I'll tell you, the, 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 the blessing of it sort of fades away. Amen. You buy that new automobile, man. You pull it in the car, in the garage, and uh, flies slide across the hood and break his neck. Oh, you love that thing. But then you take it to Walmart and some uh, kid gets out and dings it down the side or a polecat runs under it and sprays it good or uh, something happens and then the first thing you know, it pings and pops and you have to take it back for the recall and a few miles get on it and it's fading away. You marry Miss Beauty Queen. She marries Mr. America. And they married four years, four youngins later. And a few years down the road, and he, her figure's not what it used to be, and his hair's not where it used to be. Amen. And uh, some things fade away. You get some roses and give it to your wife and say, Honey, I love you anyhow, and it won't be long till they sit on the table and the petals start falling off and they fade away. Everything we got, it fades away with age and with use. You ever thought about when we get to our inheritance in the heavenly world? Your first day in heaven's going to be your worst day, and it's just going to keep getting better and better and better and better. You say, how could it be any better, preacher? Well, the leaves are for the healing of the nation. And in the ages to come, he's going to continue to reveal himself and continue to open up the glories. We think when we get there, oh man, I've seen it all. We ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to take all eternity for him to unfold his blessed glories unto us. He said it's an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away. Preacher, all that sounds good, but I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. He said it's reserved in heaven for you. I pulled up to a hotel many times. Got out and had to stand behind a line of folk on a busy Easter weekend or some holiday and have them say, you got any rooms available? No, sir, I'm sorry. We're all sold out. Hmm. Well, they get in their car and drive off. Same thing to the next one. I walk up and I say, uh, ma'am, Reservations for Randy Bank. Yes, sir, got your room available right here. Praise God. Well, I'm not waiting until I get over there to make reservations and hope there's a room available. I've already made my reservations over on the other side. And when I get there, the Lord's going to say, yes, sir, I got it right here, right here. Your name's on the door. Just enter on in and just come right on in, glory to God. It's reserved. And nobody's going to root you out of this one. You might, be, you might get cheated out of some inheritance. You may have some, some wretched brother or sister or some lawyer that's got a hold of the will and all of that, and you may get duped and rooted out of it. Many people have done that. 
But thank God over on the other side, he said, uh-uh-uh-uh, nobody's going to touch what I have prepared for you. This is between you and me, and no greedy hands are going to lay hold of it and take away what I have prepared for you. Wow. Woo! I think that's an encouragement. Amen? And then I want you to look in verse number 5 at the boundaries that are made who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I like this word kept. Who are kept by the power of God. I remember Brother Rudy Smith preaching this whenever I was about 18 years old up at Cedar Springs and he preached on, he preached on kept in the Sunday morning and he preached on preserved Sunday night. And he said on Monday when you see each other out, I said, why don't you holler, Kip! And then you holler back, preserved! My daddy is standing down by the road and a neighbor of ours that goes to, went to church with us went driving up the road and he hollered, Kip! And daddy hollered, preserved! And that sinner that's standing there by him said, what's that all about? And he got to tell him what it was all about. Amen. I am kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Talk about garrisoned about. Talk about hedged about. Talk about the holy hand of God. I'm in His hand. He's in the Father's hand. I'm sealed with the Holy Ghost on the day of redemption. He's got the promises of God that are all tied up around me and the angels of the Lord stand round about me. Glory to God. I'm kept by His divine power. You say, you believe in eternal salvation? I sure do. No man's going to pluck me out of my Father's hand. Fella told this lady, he said, yeah. You say nobody's going to pluck you out of his hand. What if you slip through his fingers? She said, well, how can I since I am one of his fingers? The Bible says he's the head and we're the body. You can't get any closer than that. And he's not going to have a body missing a kneecap, a big toe, a little finger, a pointer finger. It's all going to be whole when he gathers the body together and he is going to keep us through thick and through thin. The Bible says, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Boy, there are times when we battle hell by the acre and you just sort of shake your head and you wonder and the Lord says, Hey, come on, I'm keeping you. I'll be there. You may not see me, but standing somewhere in the shadows, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll come along in the right time. The wind will blow again. You just stay in there with me. Hallelujah. So thank God for the boundaries that the Lord has made. But then not only scriptural rejoicing, but look at seasonal rejoicing. Look in verse number 6. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be in heaviness through manifold temptation. Now, the Lord uses a little word here called season. We got a bunch of uh, eggheads today. And they started out with uh, global warming. Well, all the facts and figures came in. They skewed it and it looked like all the icebergs going to melt and float us all out. And then they got to digging a little deeper and they found out them knuckleheads had skewed all the information. And that icebergs melt every year. So now they've changed it to climate change. Well, the Bible has preached climate change from the beginning. 
God said as long as the earth endures, there'd be seed time, there'd be harvest, there'd be heat, there'd be coal. There's going to be the changing of the seasons. And the changes of the seasons are one of the ways we know the faithfulness of the Creator. And my daddy told me that when he was a boy, it was winter, spring, summer, and fall. He told me that his daddy told him that it's always winter, spring, summer, and fall. His daddy told him it's winter, spring, summer, and fall. I've been investigating and looking back through history and looking through the Word of God. And you know what? It's always been winter, spring, summer, and fall. Seasons have always come and they've always changed. That's a global warming crowd, but have us think it's going to be summer all the time. It's just going to get hot and El Nino is going to take over and every iceberg's going to melt. Back in uh, the wintertime, there was a big uh, wintertime hurricane froze up Boston and all that. They went to hollering, global warming caused it. Global warming caused it. And there was a scientist that said, I have a scientific word for what's going on. And he says, it's winter. It's winter. Amen. Boy, we're experiencing climate change right now. Would you ladies lay off that hairspray? Please. And if you're working on your old car, please catch that Freon because you're blowing holes in the atmosphere and it's killing all the trees and, and the leaves are dying and they're falling apart and oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Vote me in. I can change it. <laughs> seasons. Churches go through seasons. There are times when you can say, praise God, Jesus saves. You have a dozen saved. There are other times when you can preach and you can preach and you can preach and it's just like plowing. You're not going to get any tomatoes when you're busting new ground. You got to bust new ground and you got to till new ground. You got to cut it up, prepare the soil and you've got to plant some, uh, some plants and then you've got to wait patiently. But then when the tomatoes come in, they come in big time. There'll be spring times for churches. There'll be summer times when everything's bountiful and blessed. But there'll be fall times when the leaves drop and there's some pruning needs to be done. And there'll be some winter time when you do right because it's right to do. And you preach whether they say amen or they don't say amen. Amen. And you just hang on. Stay with it. Just keep doing what in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and with all dark. Just staying put. Staying with it. Keep it on the fire line. And after a while, you know what's going to happen? I walked through a parking lot today. And I looked. And I saw some folk packing up. Headed to Florida. I mean, there was 12 of them in this congregation. It's called geese. And them old geese says flying out of there in that V. And I said, boys, have at it. You know what time of year it is. And they're just flying away. Nobody had to tell them. They got no more sense than all this global warming crowd. But you know what? Come springtime, they'll be flying back up this way. Because they know that it's coming again. And we as God's children in the church need to know there's winter, spring, summer, and fall. As individuals, you're going to go through the same. I first got saved, man. Oh, you're talking about on. It was on. And them old timers tell me, boy, enjoy it while you can. I thought you old mossy back rascal, you, what's wrong? Just jump right in here with me, you know. Well, it wasn't long till I locked horns with the devil and went through some winter time. And I tell you, I knew what they were talking about. But I got back to it, praise God. 
And it comes and goes. But you know what? The Lord is faithful. And He says, if now for a season, if need be, troubles don't come to stay, trials don't come to stay. The old preacher said, my favorite text is, and it came to pass. It will come to pass. It'll come. You just stay faithful, stay with God, and it will come to pass. Hallelujah. Then look in verse 7 at the sensible revelation that God gives us. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. God likens our trials to the trying of gold. If you were down at the goldsmith's shop and you didn't know the process, you'd think he was a very ignorant man. Some old bearded haggard fella come in with a big sack of raw ore that he's got out of the ground, plops it down there, and the guy weighs it out and gives him a big pile of money for that. And you say, what's he want with that? And then you follow him as he goes back to the back and he pours it all in a big old smelting pot. And then he sets a fire under it. What did he do? Buy that to torture it? Does he hate this? What's going on? And then the fire begins to burn and the gold begins to bubble. And if the gold can speak, the gold will say, Woo, this fellas are hurting me. This hurts. But then when it cools off, he takes his, 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 his rake and he rakes all the scum off of it. And the old gold says, Oh my, that's embarrassing. I didn't know all that was in me. I'm glad that's over with. But then the fire starts heating up again. The old gold goes to bubbling and popping around in the pot. And then after a while, he skims it off again. This happens seven times. And that old gold thinks, man, I didn't know I had all that in me. And he gets it 99.9% pure. And if you go look at these chunks of gold they got these goldsmith shops, it'll never say 100% pure gold. It'll say 99.9 because they know they'll never get that gold pure 100% on this side. But thank God there is a street of pure gold on the other side. Amen. I don't know how pure you want to get. I want to get 99.9% anyhow. Amen. But I'll never get to that 100%. But over on the other side, I'll be made pure gold in his sight. Then that goldsmith takes that 99.9% pure gold, he lays it up there and he begins to cut it and begins to shape it and he begins to beat it. And gold is the most malleable substance on the face of the earth. Malleable means it'll take a licking and keep on ticking. Amen. Boy, just a troy ounce of gold, you can beat it out several square miles flat without it coming apart. It's unreal how malleable gold is. And God said that's the way the trying of faith is for the believer. You know what's happening in these foreign countries? I go to India. They're under great persecution. But they're having real revival. And you know why? Because the gold's being tried. Some of those things that ought not to be there are getting put out. Those that are not real are getting weeded out. And boy, they're having real revival over in South Korea. Same thing's going on. And even in the Middle East, with all the persecution and all that's going on, you'll find a pure strand of Christianity because they've gone through the fire and God's working them into what He wants them to be. And the Lord said, one of these days, through these trials, I'm going to bring it forth unto praise and honor and glory at my appearing. 
And then he makes a statement. I love this. Whom heaven not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I've never seen Jesus, neither of you. But I'm like little old Rebecca that was riding on that camel. She's left her homeland. She's told her family goodbye. She's trusted Eliezer, that servant that was sent by the father. No, Eliezer keeps telling her about Isaac. Oh, let me tell you how tall he is. Let me tell you what color hair he's got. Let me tell you about the kind of physique he has. Let me tell you about his character. Let me tell you about his attitude. Let me tell you about his love for God. He don't have a hook nose or a long nose, just a right nose. Boy, his smile, let me tell you about his smile. And you know, whenever she rode up that day and Isaac was in the edge of the field meditating, she jumped off that camel. And she didn't have to guess who that fellow was. She had never seen him. They didn't have photographs back then. She never knew him, but she knew him because Eliezer had revealed him to her. Bible says, whom having not seen you love. Fanny Crosby, that dear blind woman, said, I will know him by the prints of the nails in his hand. And though there will be millions over on the other side, I don't think anybody will have to say, now there's Jesus. No, Jesus will outshine them all. And one of these days we'll receive the end of our salvation, uh, even our faith at the end of the way, and it'll all be complete. And it'll all be finalized. So what's the message tonight, preacher? The message tonight is God's got some encouragements for His people. You don't have to be discouraged, despondent, down and out. The world's going to be the world and it'll always be the world. But thank God you and I have every right to rejoice in our Savior and lift up our heads in whatever season you're in, if it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, You just remember, it's all going to change. But we keep our eyes on Jesus, and He's going to see us through. If you're here tonight never been saved by the grace of God, I don't have much encouragement for you except to be saved and trust Him, and then you'll know that joy that He's talking about in 1 Peter chapter number 1. I want you to stand all over the house, please. Sister, if you'll come on the piano.